tap into your most original thinking, organize your ideas, and create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. Welcome back, everyone, to our podcast, Unlocking Your World of Creativity. And if you ever watched MTV in the early 2000s and back when they actually played music and VH1 and you came home maybe from school, if you're of that uh, generation and you wanted to see what the top songs on TRL were and you were waiting for Mandy Moore or Ashley Simpson to be interviewed, well, then you know the work of our next guest, Vinny Potestivo. Vinny, welcome to the program. Yes. Thank you for having me. It's awesome to be here. I love the theme of this podcast, Mark. I'm so excited to talk about creativity. Well, I have so many things, so many stories to tell you, so much proof that I've seen so that people can stop sweating and well, I can exactly. help them out. <laughs> well, some people think there's this magic bullet, you know, well, how did they become overnight, quote unquote, successes? But maybe we start there and we talk a little bit about celebrity brands and media brands, but then we'll launch into how do you build this kind of personal brand? But why don't we start with what well, you kind of had a formula, I think. There had to be a method to your madness to create the kind of media properties that you were working with at that time. You know, this is interesting. How much credit do we give to MTV, but certainly to the people at MTV during that time who actually created space. They created shows and space and like actual, you know, programming time for us to explore how to celebrate talent. It may have evolved from from hosting. I think the first foray of celebrities sort of being themselves. First, obviously, they're they're guests, so they're 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 just representing themselves. And then there was sort of this evolution to representation. So we wanted them to host the shows, to be the conduit between the audience and the culture. And then that sort of evolved into shows like Cribs, where we were starting to see glimpses of lives. And it was a Cribs episode where we booked Jack and Kelly Osborne to give us a tour of the Osbournes that we pulled. And we said, hold on a second. Sharon says that we can put, you know, the original conceit for the show was Ozzy Osbourne wants a cooking show. It was originally a cooking <laughs> show for MTV. That was the, the genius idea. And what we realized when we put cameras in the heart of the home, which is the kitchen, something I can certainly relate to, where a lot of action happens. And if you watch The Housewives or any of these ensemble shows, you'll realize how important the kitchen is. And I bring it all back to Cribs because it's all about what was what was in that refrigerator door, right? right. Like we wanted that much access. So, so you ask, what are the bits and pieces that sort of makes a successful talent brand or, or give longevity to conversations like the housewives of New Jersey or, or, or even the Hills, like shows that I've cast that while and out shows that I've cast that on MTV. There's still a show called the challenge, um, which I, I was lucky enough to get to cast TJ Lavin in as the host. There's, there's longevity in there. And, and I think you can certainly build that from the mm -hmm. scratch. Um, well, and it sounds like, you know, beyond the celebrity of an Ashton Kutcher, you know, uh, Hillary Duff or the Mandy Moore's we were talking about, Nick Cannon, but people wanted to, it sounds like, see behind the person, what is in their kitchen, what is in their refrigerator. I mean, I guess to see the humanity of the celebrity, is that what you're yeah, finding? I think, to see, I think to see themselves in it, you know, to see, it's less about seeing, it's less about, I, th I think at that stage in the early 2000s, storytelling is less about, it's more about story discovery 
I think. And I think that the next 15 years in television, we discovered these new types of people, these new families, these new social pods, these new family units. And we organized them in fun ways on television, like um, blank people of this and housewives of that. And so I think there was this, because of the digital age of what was happening from 2007 on when, when social media and Facebook and YouTube became not even became relevant but became Mm -hmm. you know amplifiers to what was happening in television that's when we uh, the people started realizing that we can you know find ourselves on in on these platforms by creating ourselves but what we did at mtv and when i was i got to mtv in the late 90s which you know i give a lot of credit um to to yo mtv raps in 1995 that really changed how artists had an impact on the programming at MTV. So I came into MTV. Um, Ananda Lewis is the VJ who literally picked me up off the street. Um, she asked me to, I was going to ask Whitney, um, here, this was my big break, by the way. This is how it <laughs> happened. You know, I got picked up in Times Square. The VJ asks me to, I get to ask Whitney Houston a question. Um, she had recorded with Mariah Carey at the Prince of Egypt soundtrack. Love, and I was love to it. ask her, yeah, right. I was to ask her what it was like recording with Mariah Carey. And I practiced my, I practiced my question and they produced me up and they, you know, they get you all hyped up for the moment. And I see the producer go over to Whitney and it t- tell him about the question that's coming her way. And I see Whitney goes, I'm not answering that question. <laughs> and there, there goes my entire TV, my entire on-air TV. You know, there was my whole opportunity gone. Um, but I turned to the casting director and I said, oh, we were so close. I said, but I'm from Wagner College. I'm close. If you ever need men, women, dancers, singer, like I know only talented people who would love this opportunity. And he said, we're actually casting Whitney Houston's um, It's Not Right, But It's Okay music video. And, um, and, and then from that moment on, you know, it was, it was golden opportunity. But I, I think we created those opportunities for people to share their story the same way that what's happening right now in social audio is like exciting because I, I think we can all agree that social audio is pretty new. Mm-hmm. You know, um, mm-hmm. we're familiar with radio formats, but we know how different social audio is now that we don't have to be caller 100. That's right. <laughs> to make it, you know, on the air <laughs> and we have the ability to go instant in a heartbeat. You know, you brought up you brought up coming home from from school to watch TRL. You know, that was because that was the first time that the pop culture news would sync to the airing of TRL between 3.30 and 4.30 because it knew that's when youth culture was looking for updates. So people would make announcements based on the airtime of our show. That changed when YouTube came into play and AOL music came into play mm-hmm. and people could start, you know, on demand like programming. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's that was really the demise. I mean, there was nothing about television that was the demise of MTV other than on demand. And and for youth culture, you have to be, you know, mindful of that. But but they tripled down and they went into story mode right after I left. And that's when they did uh, uh, Jersey Shore and, and they, they invested in these characters that were so rich and unique where we didn't find necessarily ourselves in them. We found not ourselves in them, but we right. were still along for the journey for, for a long time. Or you're from that, the outside. Yeah. Yeah. That proved that proved to do them pretty well. Um, well, let's apply some lessons learned then from those sort of brand building, you know, now bringing it up to date. You oh, know, yeah. You're working I, with talent and media. Oh, I just got goosebumps. You've, got, you've got a lot of stuff going on uh, with you those know, lessons learned. 
the first lesson that I would want to teach people is I just, I just blasted myself. I'm so sorry if I bored you. I'm really not gassing. I'm really not as impressed with myself as I am <laughs> with, with the pop culture that I got to be a part of. I, I talked about what I was doing this way back then. And I, I, I'm a dude from Staten Island. Like I should not have been the person, the chosen person picking people, but I was, and I picked people not celebrities. And I didn't focus on brands that had giant impact. I focused on celebrities that had heart. Um, so I had a brilliant career in television for the first, say, 25 years of my career, but I didn't win a single award. Mm. And this is the first, this is the first lesson I want to teach people. There's no one walking around handing out Emmys and Oscars and Grammys. And those, those are all things you apply for. And, and some of them require you to be in the academy. So perhaps you've heard of the academy. So some of them refer you to be, have a membership of the academy. And then you have to pay an additional fee for the submission of your project in each category. And you have to pay for every single producer that's attached to that submission for the Emmys or like for, for those, for, for some, some of the digital awards, um, you pay a one-time fee. And then if you win, you pay an additional fee for the statue. But if you win an Emmy, you don't pay an additional fee for the Emmy. Um, the Emmy is actually not yours. So a little, an unknown little fact. Known is fact. It's, it's, yeah, right. It's property of the Academy. On the bottom of that Emmy, it says like, when I die, I got to return it. We can come back. It actually says it. that. It says that on the bottom of my little Emmy. It's like, when, when you're no longer here, you got to bring this back to us. We put it in the museum. It's ours. I think that's kind of cool. But, but well, I wanted to but point that out. you're saying that the, the, your own good work, quote yeah. unquote, is not enough. Like no. if I, if I do quality yes. work, if I come up with a really great idea, if I launch my hit record, yeah. you know, they will just come. And we're purists, right? Like we think, you know, I'm not asking for awards. Maybe if someone thinks I deserve one, maybe I'll get it. But like, I just really wanted to create something that I'm proud of. I shouldn't gloat. Maybe there's shame in asking, or maybe I'm afraid to lose. And I want to tell you the advantages to winning awards are tremendous. First off, you are on an award-winning list. I'm a network executive. When I'm looking for creators, I start at the tellies, the W3 awards, the communicator award. I look for digital awards. I want people who are loud and proud about making content because there's a lot of people who make content now. Mm -hmm. The people who are willing to go the distance to say, this is something, and first off, this is something that I want, rec I want recognition on because that will empower me to be a stronger storyteller. I can get behind those people brilliantly also there are tons of trim i mean there's there's the press uptick so there's seo wins you know and winning awards um you can connect awards to your imdb profile so on imdb i go to i go to actual award types podcast awards and i work backwards so so um if you're interested in finding out maybe what awards you're qualified for but you don't even know if you're a podcaster if you're a marketer if you use technology in a unique way that stacks success if you run a newsletter if you're um in there's digital advertising um a pos there's so many ways to qualify for awards and i just wanted to make well, it and easy. you're describing this sort of uh, solar system of awards but i mean also a domino effect that, yeah. you know you produce something quality but then you get recognized for it and then you get more either funding or backing or sponsorship or whatever to produce the next big thing uh, there seems to be a stepping that's it. And it drives the market value up, by the way. So you look at some of the biggest, we talked earlier about how to make a talent brand and why am I starting with awards? Because after someone wins an Academy Award or they get an Emmy nomination or they get you know a Grammy nomination, their life changes. 
You know, they're part of a group of esteemed people and, and, and they're, they're sort of, they're in a community and some, some of these awards are community driven. So there are bigger panels and smaller panels. And, and again, I can kind of walk you through that, but I just wanted to start there with awards. Um, it took me 25 years to win my first award, my first Emmy. And to be honest, I won it from this seat right here in my guest bedroom in my house in Brooklyn after spending hours you know, producing housewives, you know, sitting in the kitchen of housewives, telling them what to do and like Osborne's and punked and all the silly things that I've gotten to be a part of. Um, because to be why, because I, I worked with a team that asked for recognition because the project we went for um, deserves it. And also we can, we can better that, that project more so with the Emmy nomination than without it, because yeah. it's actually, it's about red flags um, that follow after um, successfully going through rehab and what are some of the, the mental health checkpoints that people have experienced after rehab. Like we felt like there was a big conversation sort of in this Shark Tankian world of programming, a big conversation about intervention and the beginning part, but not a whole lot of conversation about, you know, what happens after you get after, off that yeah, initial after. hump. So um, we try to fill that, that, so interesting. that conversation. Well, you know, you're also bringing up something that I think the creativity uh listeners here would be you you were talking about content creation but and and then maybe applying for awards and building your brand around that but i didn't want to pass over the fact that you said right here from this chair in my bedroom you know yeah, i think yeah. this this myth that you need well i got to get a big studio and i got to get a big entourage around me and i got to get all the producers and all the big name talent and that's going to cost a fortune so therefore i do nothing uh you know it's sort of a freezing you know that yeah. you say, I can't get started because I can't see the end. Yeah, uh, it's so uh, true. Well, how do you get over that hump? You know, it's about collaboration right now. So the only way for me to have been able to have done it is to have found people who, who I could collaborate with, who, who could extend what I'm able to do outside of this room and allow me to be in this room. I choose to work from home um, and work towards um, finding a time balance so that as I'm preparing to have my family, we can figure out how it's really going to work and what days do we need support. So I, I like having some structure to, to my life and to my schedule, but I choose to work from home so that I can, I can be present um, instantly, you know, and, and on demand when I, when I want to be in a very comfortable space for me, I find it, um, it's, it's a very emotional process. I think like most creatives feel yeah, very so, helpful. So to be able to tap into that, I just think is so important. Awards, awards are so important. It's the first thing on my list. Second is credits. You know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing up things that there's so much shame as a creative involved in asking for credits. You know, you have to ask for executive producer credit. No, you know, usually generally speaking, if you're in TV, you had to like beg somebody and, and someone had to believe in you to extend the olive branch up until recently where, where television has been disrupted by the digital mm -hmm. era and, and there's no longer, you know, single development boards at 17 networks deciding what's going to be on cable anymore. Like that's been disrupted. So, you know, it, it's changed. Um, but credits are so important. And on IMDb and, and IMDb right now, one of the biggest ways to stand out on IMDb right now, which is the creator, the hub of all things creator. They have this thing called a star meter. It's actually brutal, man. It literally is like uh, Amazon, you know, Amazon owns IMDb and they're clocking all the information and they say, this is how many searches are looking for Mandy Moore and Jamie Sigler and you know, this movie and that, and you literally see people's ranking go up and down. 
But agencies use that information. It's relative in negotiating tactics. It's relevant when you say she's the, she's in the top 1%. She's the most searched actress in the entire world. You know, there's, there's hard data now that drives these points. So I, I think credits are something that people overlook um, right now. If you have a podcast, you can't play your podcast on IMDb, but you can upload your podcast and get credit for your podcast. And I should say, take credit for your podcast, create credit, right? For your podcast, which, which, and it does a couple of things. One, maybe it, it sort of um, formalizes your production company. Second, it allows you to tag guests, which is a great way for discoverability. I mean, if you're, if you're interviewing people that are on morning shows or TV Mm -hmm, and making mm -hmm. appearances and their relative, your podcast now appears on their next to that. Mm -hmm. So when, so when Mandy Moore, so what, so last week or two weeks ago was the hundredth episode of, of this is us. And I saw my podcast go through the roof because of the press. And then the week before that, Jamie Lynn Ziegler was, um, she had a breakout moment in the Super Bowl. It was so great to see her in that soprano spot. Um, but I had just uploaded my own podcast a month ago. Um, and I jumped 1.2 million people in the creator economy in my star meter, 1.2 million, which is big. It's impactful. Yeah. And, and but that's it's fascinating. There's very logistical. Yeah. This is way under the hood. You oh know, yeah. <laughs> this is you know why? how to get press coverage. This is like how to get oh, yeah. uh, hits on the web. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I, cause you know, I'm like, some people think I have like an advantage cause I have like those friends or, or colleagues, I have probably no more podcast views than anyone else I know, by the way, to be really honest. There's no 50, 100 in my first one, maybe 200 people listen to the Mandy Moore one when I first, I mean, I kind of rolled it out a little clunky and, and not tapping into my superpowers, which I then, you know, which I then changed. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ability to adapt and grow and move so quickly, you know, when, you, when you're seeing, you know, so, so the credits, credits are important. Um, for discoverability. Also, it's SEO rich. So for example, a lot of us chose to create podcasts that are sort of like um, the byline to our lives, so to speak. <laughs> like it's not our nickname, but it's like our byline or it's like a quote we say, you know, so, yes. yeah, my, mine is I have a podcast. Um, <laughs> so, so now when you type in some of those generic words, my friend Suchin Pak has an amazing podcast called uh, Added to Cart. Um, which I love, like these these colloquial terms that are so yes. familiar that when you type them in now, podcast comes up because it's Amazon, IMDb, Creative Property. There's Google knows. Wait, this isn't just information. Maybe they'll listen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, soon we won't have to tap on our podcast pages in Google to go to the podcast page to listen. Soon, when we type in the results, you know, in the same way photos pop up and maps pop up, and you know, without needing to go to the source, soon we'll just be able to get that information straight from Google um, without needing to go beyond, you know, that first page of that first page of ranking, so to speak. Yes. Right. Cause Google is all about keeping you on that first page as long as they can. So oh, absolutely. And we're, we're happy this is to so practical. Uh, let's go back to the mindset thing that you were talking sure. about though, Vinny. And that is, you know, I want to amplify, uh, you know, either my podcast, my book, my film, I want to get it out there for sure. But a lot of people are like, yeah, but I did this for myself. I just have a very personal message. I didn't do it for the awards. I didn't do it for the trophies, you know, or the recognition. Um, How do we sort of reconcile the personal creative platform vision that we have for our uh, work with the 
but if nobody sees it, then you didn't yeah. get your message out. Yeah. Well, um, even for me, even when I started my podcast, it was still a, a collaborative effort. And I've never, I never created it by myself. There was always somebody who helped me with the artwork, somebody who helped me find the music, somebody who helped me with the editing. Um, and I kind of reached out and I built my team slowly. So it's so easy for me to show up and ask for an award for me and my team when I know that we all win together. Um, I'm in the first you know, I'm in the very first year of podcasting. So like, um, you know, I, I hear the rumor is, you know, it's overwhelming with the, you know, as listeners tap in and, and they really um, stay for the, the, the long haul, there, there's real momentum sort of built up. I don't know if I've, I would say I've, I felt audience momentum um, yet because I sort of pivoted from a, a weekly podcast to um, a daily podcast. So I'm, I'm actually pivoting from a from a 45 minute a week podcast to three 15 minute a weeks and two fives, um, mostly because of how podcasts show up when you actually subscribe to them in mm -hmm. um, an Apple podcast, which is like the most, most recent. It's like old school. It's, it's so vicious. It's old school. Instagram It's like, no, the very most recent podcast That's right, that I want right now. The most re so you know what I do? You want, okay, I'm happy to give some strategy tips in here. You know what I do is I look around all the podcasts that I would love to have an audience from. Lewis Howes, a great example. I love Lou, how Lewis approaches creativity and it shapes his conversations with world leaders. And he doesn't let it get tawdry or about celebrity. He can really, really stay on 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 point in a beautiful way. I'll make sure my podcast comes out a minute after his. Because I want anybody who happened to subscribe to my podcast, who, who I know is going to go listen to him, by the time they get to Apple Podcasts, you know who's going to be there? <laughs> Ding! Every Kiss Begins. I don't know why that, I don't know why that theme song came to the head. Every Kiss Begins to Gay. But there, you know, there's like golden moment where, and, and it's, it's ruthless, by the way, you know, it's, it's not to say vicious. I'm not pillaging, you know, his, his audience. There are uh, more aggressive ways that, you know, um, that you could do that. All I'm trying to do is be relevant to the, the timing that I know his audience has been trained to listen to podcasts. And I think that that's, that's powerful because he's such a leader. I know that he's really trained his audience versus um, going to, you know, a, a recently launched celebrity podcast and just trying to grab their audience because you know, that seems like a good strategy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love that. Well, before we uh, close, Benny, I got a couple more questions for you, but I want to make sure that people know where to find you and connect with you and uh, learn more about what you're doing these days. Oh, you're awesome. Yeah. VPE.tv. Um, that's where you can find me. VPE.tv. Uh, I'm on social media everywhere. So please reach out and say hi. I love I love hearing about people's creative journeys. I love helping. I love helping creatives find success in business. I love helping business leaders find success creatively. And I, I, I like with. I do it with you know, educating you with some skills, some tools, uh, the advantages, maybe a couple of connections. Um, I'm, I'm just having a blast at helping brands launch in Sephora and QVC. And as well as Home Depot and um, uh, also, you know, on traditional, you know, media platforms as well. So I just appreciate anyone who reaches out and is, is down for that ride. Yeah. Well, we should definitely connect. 
Well, Vinny, I want to close with that idea, and you just mentioned it on connections. Uh, so I want to make sure we land on collaboration. We brought it up yeah. several times. And that is, there's this image of the creative practitioner, you know, in the basement, creating uh, alone in their studio, trying to make something, uh, writing the book in their log cabin, you know, all by themselves. But nothing gets created, distributed, produced, launched, you know, with, without a team. Uh, talk to our sort of solo practitioners about getting that team around them. Yeah, um, that's great that you focus on the team aspect as opposed to the goals of what that team is is initially, you know, sort of focused on. I think that you hit the nail on the head when you're you're sort of asking like, what kind of inventory can we take at the beginning of the process to see what who do I need to add to my team to best complement my skill set? Some of that's going to be who can I throw the most on? Who is the most diverse skill set? So it's the least amount of phone calls for me. Maybe um, if you're any, oh man, I'm such a creative. I love editing and developing and you, I can, I could just sit in development and I can play with colors and toning and color correct. All the things I have no qualifications in, by the way, <laughs> it's completely self, completely self-taught creative. But I would tell you, I couldn't even get into art school. I couldn't draw the turtle on the TV that allowed me in the 70s, 80s, 70s. That's right. I didn't even pass that. You know what I mean? Um, but I'm a, I'm a data engineer by trade. Uh, I, I got my job at MTV because I knew how to take footage from, from uh, uh, mini from beta foot to VHS and vice versa and digitize. And so I'm bringing that up because, you know, here I am getting a lot of credit for some of the casting that happened. And I became a casting director and an executive producer because of those skill sets. But really what MTV needed was someone who understood how to manage creative files. To be really honest, that's really what I did, managing creative schedules and files and people and how to attach uh, executive notes to the development of talent that we could be working with. I had to, I had to come up with that system. So that was inventory. MTV look look around and said who who who's doing anything like this and, and there I was so it starts with inventory um, also I'm notorious for hiring people that I just want to work with mm -hmm. and I figure it out to be really honest because that's the way I, I enjoy working um, I enjoy working with people who love showing up and challenging themselves and and I can figure a project out you know no problem and I, I also sometimes figure out when I get paid. Sometimes I get paid upfront because I want to get paid, you know, for delivering something, which is the old, sort of, to be honest, the older version of me. And what I do now where I'm just, I create so much content, you know, you said something earlier about the uh, solo people, because uh, I am one of us. We are people who have way more footage on our iPhones <laughs> and the world will ever see good because that dude that sold the Kanye West footage, he made $30 million. So if you're recording something and you I mean, we are this close to genius is is the true matter of it. We really are that we're this close to each other, you know, now. So, so I, you know, a great example is I, I have a podcast. I have a lot of footage. Um, I joined something called Maverick. So I'll give, here's my last tip. I'm going to, and then I'm done. VPE.TV slash M-A-V-R-C-K. And Maverick is a creator index. It's an influencer marketing place where brands like Meta will, engage them and hire them to find creators like me who aren't using tools like um, reels on Facebook pages. And they paid me to create reels three times a week 
And all I did was turn around to my content that I'd already created for my podcast that I was now able to not repurpose, but engineer for this new opportunity. So I'm taking old footage. I didn't have to do anything new. I already shot it. It has already happened. And now I'm able to sort of bring it to life. And I like, I like that idea. And I like that story. And I want to leave on that because um, I believe in creating what you want to create. And when there are, the timing is right, that the audience is there, the understanding is there, the education is there, the impact can happen. You know, it will. I've been too early too many times in television and very frustrated in the TV market because of, of the turnaround time that it takes things to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and culture moves too quick. And we can do that. We can do that, you know, um, right here. And if you are drowning as a creative with podcasts, I just found this amazing podcastsop.com. I don't even know the, I'm just obsessed with this brand new company, podcastsop.com. They have like it's six bucks a month, but they tell you like they have podcasters like us who have our own processes. And then it allows you to follow their processes with your own team in a way that's like, if you're struggling between Slack and Monday and Trello and like all of that, this is just laser, laser focused on how to get an episode out, how to maximize, amplify, you know, and get it out there. So I'll leave, Love I said, it. I was going to leave you on that. Yeah. Right? Great, great Protection. tips. Well, <laughs> listeners, this has been both very practical. If you don't hit the rewind button several times and re-listen to this with your notebook, with your phone notes, however you take notes, <laughs> there's been a tip a minute. Okay. Yeah. And so my, my do list is long for today. Take credit for your work, uh, you know, enter some awards, find some collaborators, but also then he's really encouraged us to tap into that inner mindset, that inner creativity, take faith in our work. And I can't thank you enough. Vinny Postavito has been our guest. Listeners, come back again next time. We're going to continue our around-the-world journeys as we talk to creative practitioners about what inspires them for new ideas, how they organize those ideas, and most of all, how we gain the confidence and the connections to launch our work out into the world. I'm Mark Stenson, and we're unlocking your world of creativity. We'll see you next time. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and ThePeaceRoom.Love. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get the book, A World of Creativity, for a special price of $5.98 for paperback. And the Kindle version is only 99 cents. Go to mark-stinson.com to take advantage of this special offer.